Alex was one of three East Asian students in an overwhelmingly white high school, which made trying to fit in a focal point in his teenage years. He nearly didn't graduate in the emotional fallout of his parents' divorce, and I realized through our conversation how much of an impact your high school experiences can have on your academic and career prospects. With the personal and emotional challenges he faced, he fell into a depression, which made his grades suffer, inevitably limiting his college opportunities. When he got into university, he realized it wasn't for him and ended up dropping out. Then after gaining some professional skills as a project manager, he quit his job and decided to pursue software engineering as a career. He took a self-paced bootcamp drove 36 hours from Michigan to San Francisco, and started applying for jobs when COVID-19 hit. He finally landed a job after a year of unemployment, and we talk about what it's like to start a new career during a global pandemic. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hey, Alex, how's it going? It's going well, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm excited to have this conversation today because I feel like I've known you for a while, but we haven't had this kind of conversation too much, even though, you know, we've gotten to know each other quite well over the last few months. Yeah. Uh, starting in, I believe, February is when I, uh, I joined the, the Hatchways Call program. So that's, uh, that's how we met. Yeah, that's a good, like, six months already. So it's been a journey. It's been a journey with you. (laughs) Yeah, it sure has. It sure has. I I feel like I stuck around a little longer than than I wish Uh, I I did. I know. I know. Things things got really hard around the around around Corona. Yeah. Corona time. Yeah, I know. So we have a lot to talk about and a lot to share. So um, why don't we just start with a quick introduction uh, about yourself? So my name is Alex. I'm a software engineer at a healthcare startup. I found that position actually through Jacqueline's help. Um, so that was really great. I get really lucky on that. Um, before that, I was having a lot of difficulty um, finding software engineer positions. Uh, as far as like a little background, um, I guess one could say I'm a little, I was a bit unconventional to a candidate, which kind of um, led to recruiters probably passing me over. Uh, I don't have a, t- a college degree. I think that's one of the biggest things. Uh, so I dropped out of uh, university. Maybe a couple just context questions. Whereabouts are you located? I'm in uh, San Francisco, downtown now. And how long have you been um, on the job now as a software engineer? A couple months now, yeah. And how long were you in the job search mode? So from when, I mean, maybe, maybe break it down from when did you start learning programming to when did you land a job as a software engineer? Okay, so that gets a little complicated because okay. um, I was programming from a pretty young age. Uh, so my parents were both, actually, they both graduated with computer science degrees. Um, and so my dad was, a, by trade, he was a programmer. So just very early on, he kind of got us involved in computers. Then uh, one of the most the earlier experiences I have uh, is just uh, like in math class with those, uh, those graphing calculators, those TI-83s. I was, I was, I always wanted to cheat on tests with those. Back then they didn't check them. Like, uh, it became more popular. I, I think now they, they, the teachers go around and check them and wipe the memory or whatever. But, um, I, I always made little basic programs because you could program them in basic to solve formulas and stuff. And then, yeah, I, I kind of stopped programming until I got to college 
um, where I kind of focused in computer science. Um, I was going for a computer science major. I've been programming for a really, really long time. I've always kind of just been a general programmer. I didn't really feel like I was marketable. So um, because of that feeling, um, I, uh, I signed up for a boot camp. And um, uh, this, this boot camp specialized in full stack web development. Uh, I went through that for about a year. Um, I was, I got convinced by my mom that, uh, move out to San Francisco. That's, that's where all the jobs are. And I was like, I was like, all right, it's a, it's a little scary just to, to drop everything. I'm actually, I'm originally from Michigan, just <laughs> drop everything and go. So I, I did just one car and, and drove the, the 36 some hours and, um, just started applying and, um, yeah, that wasn't going great. And then I stumbled stumbled upon hatchways um and being in the hatchways co-op program directly led to uh, my current employment so it's been a long journey so you learned so you did boot camp for one year and then so. you mentioned you kind of picked up your stuff and then moved to san francisco so from the time that you finished boot camp to landing mm-hmm. the job how long was that yeah i finished my boot camp and then that was back in july of 2019 uh right just under a year, actually, yeah. just under a year. Okay. So being unemployed for almost a full year is a real drain on my on my right. savings. I was I was I basically cannot, broke. I can only imagine. So a couple of follow up questions. What what kind of boot camp is a one year long boot camp? It was self paced. So okay. um, I guess a little background on that is that yeah after after college I kind of I, I don't know I was the whole time I was in university I didn't really enjoy it. And so I kind of I wanted to just start somewhere and, and like really work towards, uh, progressing in a career. Um, and so I was, I was introduced to, um, a company that, that does like remote, um, digital engagement, um, by a friend. And I just, I started from the bottom. I started as a, a CSR and, um, six months later I, I, I became a lead. Six months after that, I, I started, um, in management you know, six months after that, I was, I had my own projects. I was, I was a full on project manager. I had over 20 some people directly under me. It was, yeah, it was hectic. It was, it was fun. I, I had a great time. Um, so I thought I was fulfilled. Uh, the problem is that, you know, I hit kind of like this wall. There came a point where I just wanted more and, um, I just called it quits. So that's, that's when I signed up for the bootcamp. So how many years of work experience was that, that, and that was immediately after you finished your junior year? Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was like three years. I was, I was with them for three years. For three years. And then you jumped into the bootcamp. And that's as right. you mentioned, it was self-paced. So it was all online. That's right. It was all online. So, um, you know, since I, since I just quit my job, yeah, I had a lot saved up by then. Um, so I just quit and went at it 40 hours a week, right? Just full on, full time. Got it. I'll probably ask more questions about the boot camp later, but I want to ask you a little bit more about your family because you kind of said that both of your parents were in the computer science industry. Yeah. How how much did that impact your decision to get into computer science? I I would say it impacted it a lot, but less because like they pressured me or or anything like that or that because I thought that was what was expected of me, but more because of the influence they had on me growing up. The more or less computers were just always a part of my life. And do you have one sister also in the software industry? She is a, <laughs> she's a product manager. Actually. Okay. Um, she works for PayPal now, actually. So, and she's yeah. older or younger? Yeah, she's two years older than I am. Okay. So you're the baby of the family. Is that right? 
Yeah, that is right. <laughs> so how did it impact um, you having a sister that went into tech? Did that also kind of pave way? So I, I do think it definitely, um, it definitely informed my decision to, to, to just trust my family. Be like, okay, I'm going to San Francisco because that, that's just where the opportunity is, right? Like, yeah, I, I wanted to kind of reach for the best. Mm-hmm. And were you always like that? Tell me a little bit more about how you were like as a kid. I was like what? Like wanting to reach for the best. I guess I was, I was always very competitive. My sister and I were close enough in age, super competitive. We always compared um, you know, our skills against each other. Um, but did I always want the best? I wanted to excel. I guess I always, I always wanted to do well. I always wanted to be satisfied with my own performance. Mm-hmm. So being really competitive, always striving for the best and growing up with a sister like yours, how does that equate to dropping out of college? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a tough time. Uh, I guess, uh, I guess I was always kind of, I've always felt kind of like a, a black sheep, uh, just didn't really feel conventional about things. Um, Sometimes, you know, you just, you don't feel that that's the path for you. I guess it, uh, in college, I was young. That's what I thought. I thought this, I thought this is not for me. I just, I want to do something else. Tell me more about that. What, what wasn't, what about it wasn't for you? You, you tend to learn about yourself, right? Like how do you absorb information the best? Um, you know, how, how do you gain skill? The format of sitting in a classroom and listening to an instructor and, and then studying, memorizing facts or whatever for a test. I could do them, but frankly, they like doing that never really made me feel like I was actually getting better at anything. It really just felt like spinning wheels. Um, if, you know, if we're honest, if I was able to, to come out without a college degree, go through one year boot camp, and then land a job as a software engineer, it kind of does prove that uh, I was kind of right about if I could just self-pace, get, get my own information, learn in the manner that I like to learn, right? That, that works for me. Um, that can result in success. Just, just the same as, um, as going through the conventional, um, what's expected of you by society paths of learning and education. You know, there's a big problem when, when in class, either things go too slow, right? You're like, okay, this is kind of boring. I understand already, but you know, people, other people don't. And then sometimes there's, there's times where you're like, wait, I think I missed something. I'm not, I don't understand what just happened. And, you know, then, then it becomes very hard to kind of get back um, to paying attention. It's, it was structured to meet the needs of the many, and it, it can't always be tailored um, to, to meet the needs of the few. You kind of call yourself a black sheep and that you didn't really fit within the conventional path, but do you really feel like most people learn the best in the way traditional education is set up today? I mean, like you said, some people are slower on some things and some people pick up things really quickly and being able to self-pace yourself seems like it could benefit most people. But what is your, what is your thoughts on that? Certainly. Uh, I think, I think everyone learns best in a, in a different kind of environment. Um, And I, I think, I just think that there's been far too few resources dedicated towards, um, you know, moving what we consider general or, or required education, right, um, towards a, a direction where we can kind of facilitate learning for each of those types of learners. Talk to me a little bit more about your experience in high school and how that impacted your 
<laughs> the future of your education and employment. Yeah, high school is fun. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think actually high school, the, the problem with high school is, is uh, I guess for me personally, it was uh, more of a social issue. Uh, in high school, you just have so much dumb stuff running through your head as a, as a teenager. <laughs> Uh, I'd be, uh, yeah. Let's be more specific. What was running through your head as a teenager? Yeah, it was. So I was, I'm a, I'm an East Asian male, and I grew up in Southeast Michigan. So I went to a school that was predominantly white. I we had one African American. And I think single, you told me you had three East Asians out of a class of 900. Yes, that's right. So I, I was one of three oh um, East Asians total. So. Yeah, I, th- I think honestly that that affected me pretty strongly. I also, I also felt like um, one of the big struggles I had growing up was trying to fit in. Did you feel like you fit in before high school? Like what about elementary school? What was your experience like there? It was actually great. Um, okay. <laughs> so so I actually moved. Um, I moved cities. Yeah, when I was like um, sixth grade. Yeah, I moved cities when I was like sixth grade. So in elementary school. Things were great, actually. So, okay, so you did grade six, moved, and then what happened? So what was the big, was there a a moment in which you were like, okay, wow, this is really different? Or was it just naturally you just started feeling like you didn't fit in or what happened? Yeah, I still remember to this day. So the first people I I kind of got uh, familiar with um, were kind of what one what some people would call like the druggies. Okay. I know that's, that's not a great term, but like in high school, that's probably what they would be called. And they, they were the only ones who were, would be nice to me or talk to me or, or whatever. Right. And I became friends with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they were my first friends in the area. If you ask my parents, I was off to a very bad start. Oh my God. Did your parents even know? Yeah. So okay. I was so excited about having friends that I had them come over. Oh my God. <laughs> and that day, that very day, after they left, my parents had a talk with me. They said, that boy can't come over again. <laughs> so you made your first friend, and then you lost him. And then what? <laughs> very, very quickly afterwards, <laughs> yes. And then who was your next friend? Or did, it, did you not have friends for a long time? Tell me more about that. Uh, yeah, I kind of drifted among groups just trying to okay. find my way. Again, I just never felt like I really fit in. And it just, yeah. it all felt like I had to work hard to be accepted. What, is that to do with race or what is that to do with? I'm really, I'm really not sure. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. In, in a predominantly white town in, in Midwest America, I didn't, I definitely encountered a lot of instances of racism, just overt, blatant racism. When I got into my first year of high school, I started seeing it really strongly. Um, kids who just started just judging you, um, mm. you know, they, they just judge you even before you even talk to them. You don't even know them and they judge you. When you were that age, what did you feel like you were being judged on? Oh, yeah. Like it's just how you dressed, oh, right? What okay. you were interested in, right? Mm. Um, how good you were at sports and, and whatnot. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's, what's interesting is that, <laughs> so yeah, this is kind of like a case of stereotyping is that um, my freshman year of high school, I actually made varsity the very freshman year for in wrestling and, um, nobody had any idea. Right. And mm-hmm. anybody like 
if, if I ever told them like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm on the varsity team, it would be like, wait, what? Mm. You know, and like they, they had no idea. And they're like, oh, wait, you're, I also, I also played football for a, a few years in high school as well. And I'd be like, wait, what? You're on the team? I'm like, mm. yeah, I even start. Like, like, <laughs> like, you know, everyone else who starts, but you don't know, you, you don't mm. actually know that I do. And it's like, you know, there's, there's like just another hurdle. You, you have to, um, you have to climb just even further to even just like prove yourself to them. It's not, it's not about doing it. Right. It's not about being that person. Yeah. It's about showing everyone that you are that person, mm. which I, I felt to be really um, something I didn't enjoy doing. I didn't like to, I didn't want to just constantly have to like shove Prove yourself, shove myself in everyone's yeah. face to, to be like, treat me better, treat me better. Right. Yeah. Do you have examples of when you felt like you weren't being treated well? Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> most of them are, are mostly just the over racism, right. You know, the, the sideways eyes, um, I got called mm. shovel face. Uh, that that one was interesting. I, I was like, well, I don't really understand what that meant. I've never it meant heard that. that. Th- yeah, they thought my face was so flat, I got hit by a shovel. <gasps> yeah, oh that's my god! It, it's kids. It's kids. Yeah. And then tell me more about how accepted you felt by your intelligence level. So, being really smart in high school is that cool or not cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you can answer that question. But yeah, it's it's um. It should be cool. I, I think it should okay. be cool, but it's not. It's not, right? You, um, first of all, I, I think actually um, you don't get ostracized for being smart. Um, but what happens is it's, it's a natural evolution of the fact that people point it out, right? When the teacher mm. points it out, when other mm. kids point it out, when, right? Um, especially, I, I think what was kind of influential on me was the fact that like the, the cool kids in class would only really even want to talk to me because they wanted to talk about homework. Oh, okay. Right. And, and it, you just kind of, you roll your eyes and then you kind of, yeah. you, there's this pressure on you. You feel like you have to give in to them mm. because like, that's the closest you're ever going to get. <laughs> How did your grades change throughout high school because of this pressure of feeling like you need to be cool? So, it, you know what, it didn't, I, I don't think that was the direct cause of, um, of any, any kind of change in my grades. Um, even, even through my junior, I had like a, over a 3.8. But um, I think when I was 15, yeah, my parents got divorced. And that, that had a really negative impact on me for some reason. Um, I think everyone goes through that kind of uh, personal upheaval uh, differently. And for me, it was, it was a pretty negative experience for me. Post-divorce, your parents were both kind of uh, on edge, I think. Um, at least mine were. And um, so especially my dad. My, my dad had a really rough time. And so we got into a lot of fights. So just having a really bad home environment. Um, was it a bad home environment after divorce only? Or was there also a bad home environment pre-divorce? I guess if you if you ask me, I, I thought it was just fun. I, I, okay, I thought things were going great. <laughs> Other than the occasional fighting, I, I thought it was pretty decent. Either that or my parents did a really good job of, right. of shielding us from any conflict or turmoil that they might cause. And then how did you deal with the divorce? Um, yeah, poorly, <laughs> to, to put it lightly, very poorly. I think just everything in my life kind of just came crashing down, right? Like that was, you know, I, I felt like I was struggling um, to kind of find my way. I, I think everyone at that age is. Yeah. Um, 
and then you know when your support structure just yeah completely changes itself and you're not you don't understand it um it's all very confusing and then you know you're having these constant fights with your dad yeah um literally every weekend i would spend with my dad i would have i'd get in a fight with him um it got it got pretty bad it got to the point where like it even got physical so we would actually fight and um I guess um, it, it made me just stop caring about things, right? Because at, at that point, right, you're in high school. What do you care about? You're a, you're a teenage boy with raging hormones, right? Like mm-hmm. I cared about girls. Mm-hmm. Right? I cared about being cool. I cared about mm-hmm. sports. Um, and I just stopped. You know, I cared about grades because my parents wanted me to get grades at that right. point, right? Yeah. So, I mean, my grades suffered because of, it ended up being lack of effort. Uh, I just stopped trying completely. My senior year was a complete joke. As a matter of fact, um, I skipped most of my classes and I slept through the ones that I did attend. Um, as a matter of fact, one of, one of my teachers, uh, one of my physics teacher, he uh, he actually had a chair for me, a special lazy boy. <laughs> that he said I, every class I would just go if I felt sleepy, I just went there and and, and took a nap. Oh my! He was God. okay with that. Um, and you know, did like, your teachers know what was going on at home? I think they had an idea because. Um, after skipping so many classes and all that, uh, you know, they, they, my counselor had a, had a talk with my mom and, and actually so did my principal. Which is- well, I mean, I think this is kind of interesting to talk about because at least, at least for most of the friends I had growing up that had divorced parents, it often happened when they were quite young. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't know, I don't know many people whose parents got divorced when you're like a teenager. What, mm-hmm. What do you think the impact, how do you think the impact changes depending on whether your, your parents get divorced when you're young versus when you're a teenager? Maybe if they got, if they got divorced when I was much younger and it was done and, and over with and I, I got acclimated to, to the, new, the new normal, uh, maybe by the time I got to high school, things would have been a little different. I'm not sure. You know, maybe my parents, instead of being focused on their own crap, maybe they would have been focused more on you know, my struggles. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Um, yeah, who knows what could have changed? It, at that age when you're in high school and this is impacting you, how did it impact you the most? Was it because you were adjusting to this new lifestyle? Was it because you were trying to process it and you didn't understand it? What was it that caused you to stop caring about everything? Um, hmm. yeah, it, I think it's, you know, it's a combination of factors. Uh, so when I was growing up, my parents were all s- super close, right? Mm-hmm. They would, you know, I would see them, you know, giving each other affection, right? So it was, it was an affectionate household. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like w- one of my memories is, is this pretty uh, uh, really strong memories that sticks out for me is that, you know, we're all, all four of us are just sitting on the couch watching TV, right? And, you know, oh, and, you know we're watching a show and we see a divorced couple. And then my both my parents would like, you know, turn to us kids and be like, that's never going to be us. Don't worry about it. Right. Mm. And yeah, I just, I thought that, yeah, I thought that was going to be the truth. I thought that was like the thing I could rely on. Yeah. That that's like, that's like the rock of, of, that I could kind of lean back on if things got rough for me. And, you know, I think in the worst part in the worst timing, right. When the, when stuff got the roughest, which, which I think is pretty common for high schoolers. Yeah. um, Then it wasn't there anymore. Then how did you pick yourself back up? Yeah, it's a process, right? Um, so when I got done with high school, 
right? Like I said, I, I, I almost just actually didn't just grad. I did I almost didn't graduate at all because mm-hmm. of how few classes I attended in senior year. I actually got okay grades. <laughs> Surprisingly, mm-hmm. I got like B's and C's. Um, that's not okay per se, but it, for somebody who literally wasn't there, that's yeah. pretty like yeah. it, it worked out okay enough for me to graduate by grades, but not by attendance. Right. Um, so we had to, we had to talk, um, we had to talk to the principal um, and work out a deal mm-hmm. to get me to graduate. Um, yeah, by pure attendance, they needed a reason to waive that requirement for me. Right. Um, and so I had to meet a therapist um, once a week mm-hmm. and, you know, I had to go on antidepressants because they, they, they wanted to say that was because I was depressed. And maybe I was. I, I, I did feel, yeah, I think I, I was pretty depressed, actually. Yeah. Um, I yeah. guess. But anyway, I, so I graduated. Um, uh, and it, you know, whereas most people's high school graduations, it's like a time to celebrate. Right. Mine was not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just quietly, we just quietly just forgot about it. Mm-hmm. But then the question came, like, what do you do now? Right. right. Are you in a state to, you know, succeed in, in college and, and, you know, college is expensive. So yeah, I ended up with two competing opinions, right? My mom said, you, you should just go. Mm-hmm. My dad said, let's give it a year. Right. Mm-hmm. At this point, actually, um, I was, I actually stopped visiting my dad almost at all. I stopped living there because things got too bad there. So I, I pretty much lived primarily with my mom and yeah, I, I decided that, yeah, I'll give it a try. I, I, I promised her that I'd give it a try. So yeah, I went to college. Um, yeah, as, as far as, yeah, actually I got like the same entrance exam sto- scores as my sister, right? Like, uh, yeah, I could have gone to a, a lot of, just based on those scores alone, I could have gone to a lot of places, but uh, because of my grades and, and everything else, um, it shut a lot of doors for me. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I went to university um, and lived on my own in a dorm. And it was, it was actually great. The newfound freedom and independence, I, I did, actually, I did stuff. I got straight A's my first year. But again, then I kind of started struggling with the whole question of, of like, what am I even, what am I even doing here? I want to ask you a little bit about what your thoughts are on, like, the education system in the sense that you, if you take you as an example, you tested well, you did really good in high school and middle school, and then something happens in your final year that drops your grades. And that is personal. And a lot of people go through personal crap during high school. And that completely jeopardizes your opportunities for post-secondary school, which then of course Mm -hmm. compounds to your opportunities in the workforce. Is that right? Is that fair? Is that something that needs to change? What is your? Uh, I mean, you know, the <laughs> a, co- a common saying among my parents is, you know, life's not fair, right? right. But um, yeah, sh- you know, just excuse my language, but shit happens, mm-hmm. and um, whether you come out on the other side okay or stronger or or completely broken, um, it it's actually up to a lot of factors that aren't in your control, right? Um, so, you know, what happens in those cases? Well, for one, I, I, I truly think, and as we kind of alluded to before is that, right, there's for a successful American conventional American, right? There's this very specific path that's laid out for you, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you go to school, 
you, you go through high school, you get good grades and, and then, you know, you go to a good university, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, out of university, right? You get a good job, work for a few years, maybe go for your master's and, you know, this is like really defined path towards success. And, um, we just need to understand that, um, I, I think it needs to be more accepted that that is not the only way. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, because it's not the only way, uh, and that way is actually probably only achievable by a subset of people. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're truly missing out as a nation, right? We're missing out on, um, the, the human potential of everyone else who didn't fit. I want to kind of hear a little bit about if you were to compare your education that you received at college compared to your online education in your boot camp, how would you compare the two? Yeah, it's um, if, it, if it was one word, it'd be practicality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like boot camp, more or less, it's a trade school. That's yeah. what it boils down to. They they give you the skills necessary to do a job. You know that that pretty much guarantees that if you were in that position, you could you're functional and right, you're productive. Um, whereas there's tons of college students come out with a CS degree, and you know if you put them in a position where you know they're expected to produce they would be very lost for a, 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 at least a decent while, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's really the question of what's going to translate into a, a, a productive software engineer, yeah. you know, the quickest. And, and Bootcamp definitely delivers on that. Okay, talk to me now a little bit more about the challenges you faced when trying to get a job. So let's see. So I, I think my experience is a little, um, just especially given the, the time period because of coronavirus and everything. Right. Um, it was, but um, yeah, I, I think I mentioned it before, but cold applying was yeah. just not working. I think by the, by the end of it, I had like 120 applications and literally the number of people I heard back from was zero. zero. I didn't get a single phone screen from That's cold crazy. applying. And we're talking like you're using your resume, you're applying to a job listing that says there is an open position. That's right. That's right. right. Um, recruiters, it seems just by way of, of the results, didn't see me as somebody worth talking to. And you attribute that to the lack of degree or to what? Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it. it I think absolutely a big part of it is that um, when you don't have a degree, you kind of, you're, you're, you're just judged as not worthy for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it definitely hurt me because people do look at a degree as an, uh, you know, as a indicator of job performance, yeah. which it's, it's truly not. So what about for the ones that you did get a callback from or an interview from because you had a network or you got connected? What was the most challenging part of that process? Yeah, like I would get to these finals and then the question would be, do you want this entry level engineer with no degree or, you know, do you want somebody else maybe with a little bit more experience who's willing to take that position due to other factors? Yeah. Uh, you know, I also just got passed up. I was, I was just, I wasn't as competitive. Right. And which is what happened during coronavirus, right? What we were seeing is because of these layoffs and hiring freezes, suddenly intermediate senior level engineers were becoming available when before there was such a lack of supply. And now that they were so readily available and more affordable, why wouldn't somebody hire that level of talent rather than a junior engineer with no experience, right? That's right. Yeah. That was my experience. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So then what is a better process? 
what is a better process for someone like you who is talented and has the skills and will work hard to get noticed and get callbacks from recruiters? Right now, the, the traditional process, right, casts a net on a very narrow range, right? It's this whole recruiter, tech recruiters filtering by resume and whatnot. It's, it's commonly known in the industry, right? They're just keyword searching and what, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, I think in, a, in the mass scale, it's worked because of, because of the volume, um, but again, you're kind of missing out on a whole subset of people, um, who your net doesn't reach at all. And so the, I think the first thing you could do is, um, make applications to take them, right? So, you know, don't, don't just judge whether you should even talk to this person at all based on their resume, but just give them a take them, see what they can do. Right. Um, and I, I know that's expensive, but if, if you truly care about, um, just being agnostic about how you find your talent, right? And the only thing you care about is the talent. And, and I, I think most companies would agree that that's probably true, is that that's what they care about. Um, then yeah, send out take-homes, the first step. That'll kind of even the playing field where the, the people who stick out are the, the ones who can do the job the best. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about how your confidence changed throughout the experience of looking for a job both curious to hear like how did you lack confidence going into the workforce because you didn't have the college degree and then two once you started applying and not hearing back how did your confidence change um so confidence for ability to do the job i i've actually i i was very confident actually that i could do do the job um from from the very beginning i thought mm-hmm. all i got to do is get in there and yeah. then you know if, if somebody can see what i can do then it would be it won't be a problem. Yeah. That actually proved out to be uh, pretty much true. Yeah. But um, of course, the problem then then became nobody could even see what I did. <laughs> so, um, really, what it was is is just outlook, right? Whether I had a positive or negative outlook on on if this this whole endeavor of mine was going to be successful or not. Because right, again, right. I, I threw away everything. I, I, I just dropped my career. I dropped everyone I knew in Michigan and came out here is a huge risk. And so when everything's riding on you get, you know, you getting a, yeah. a, a decent job as a software engineer, um, you know, and then you're getting literally no contact, right? You put out hundreds of applications and you don't hear a single thing back yeah. or, you know, you're getting turned on down just because you don't have experience for an entry level position. Yeah. It's like it's entry level. That's, one would hope that's what it meant, right? Like <laughs> you don't need experience, but um, your outlook just goes, it just goes to the bottom. I, start, I started getting really, really scared that, that I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, and I actually, as a matter of fact, I, I had the conversation with my parents. I said, I think I might have to go back to school. Really? I, like, I, th- I, think, I think I don't have a choice here. Yeah, but this whole coronavirus thing, I was like, if this is gonna keep happening, I think I'm just gonna have to bite the bullet um, and complete my degree. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, the outlook, the outlook was starting to look pretty, pretty bad. Nothing seems like an obstacle when you're optimistic because you know, you're like, oh yeah, it's going to come my way. I'm going to conquer and we'll just move on. That's going to be fine. Right. Yeah. But when your outlook is, is negative, right. You see an obstacle and you go, oh, it's just another one. It's just another thing to get over. And it's just another thing getting in my way when I'm already having trouble. Right. So it's, it really, I just, I guess uh, on the mental level, it it, uh, affects you that way. Yeah. 
No, for sure. A couple last questions. I mean, one I want to ask you about how, how are your, how's your relationship with your parents now? Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, of course, um, you you could imagine that if, you know, my mom convinced me to move out here, she, she also lives in San Francisco. Uh, my relationship with her is great. As a matter of fact, it's, it's always been good. I've also had a really good relationship with my mom, my dad, not so much. Um, yeah, he's, he's actually gone off and made, made a new family. So, um, we don't talk much. I can't be around him. Um, and, and kind of be mentally healthy, right? Mm. Like he's, I guess he has, he has a toxic effect on me. Um, when, when I'm close to him. So I just, I've made the decision to not be. That's a hard decision to make though. Um, but took a lot of mistakes. It, It took a lot of like, okay, I'm going to give it another go, give it another go, give it another go, kept having bad experiences, right? And, uh, you know, the question becomes, at what point do you stop having a relationship with your dad? And it's a very hard question, For right? Sure. You know, where do you draw the line? You have to start prioritizing yourself over yeah. your relationships, right? Yeah. It should be, you know, as a matter of fact, I think there's a lot of relationship issues that can be solved by focusing on yourself. If you If you kind of resolve your own personal issues, I think um, all your relationships could be a lot more healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. If you were to look back now over the last like 10 years and you could have made a different decision in something or tell yourself something, what would that be? You know, so post high school, right? Like when I went to college, I, like I said, I kind of really, I kind of really came into my own, you know, just find my own identity. Yeah the whole struggle to fit in or be someone or look cool or whatever just completely disappeared. And, and especially now you, know, you look back and you go, yeah, like what, what has affected you, you know, as a person? Yeah. My, what I did in high school definitely affected where I am today or like how I got here, but did affect me. Did it affect me as a person? Right. Did it has, does it have everlasting effects? Because, uh, you know, um, because you were cooler or because you fit in or because you have more friends. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> none of that matter really. Like, um, I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a joke about, you know, like, um, people like the prom king or, or prom queen, right? Like, you know, they, they think they're the top of the world and it's like, yeah, they're going to be, yeah, these poor people are going to probably be living that glory for, <laughs> right? for the, last, that was their peak. the next 20 years, right? <laughs> That's their peak. Right. But no, no, high school is not your peak. Um, uh, if, if for any reason, a high schooler is listening to this, like, um, when you get older, you're going to, you're going to slap yourself because of what, what was important to you then has turned out to be just literally inconsequential. I think that's a hard lesson to take though, is, um, you think that you do believe it's your whole world. It is your whole world when you're mm-hmm. in that situation. Mm-hmm. But then you made it seem like that once you got into college your experience there kind of opened your eyes and that you found yourself what did you do to have that experience to have that eye-opening experience huh I, I i was since i was just living by myself everything was my, now my decision right whether whether or not anything was going to happen it was completely in my hands there was mm-hmm. nothing there was no other focus and the, the other part is is that the the whole environment was it's different everybody, everybody in university is a lot more accepting, right? Right. What people care about in in universities is, um, it's yeah, world's different than what the 
the average high schooler is thinking about. Right. And um, all of a sudden I was like, oh, they don't care about that. Great. I don't have to care about that anymore now. Right. Like I don't have mm-hmm. to kind of go along with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I can just be me. Yeah. I, I think there, to a certain extent, I think I was kind of playing a part for a long time, right. Playing the person that I thought I should be as opposed to being mm-hmm. myself. Did your parents' divorce impact your ability to be yourself? It's a just a confluence of events kind of all came together to to this point, this breaking point, right? Where I, I was, again, I became incredibly uh, depressed and I just didn't go to school. It, it's it's okay. This is this is a this is a funny revelation. Is that when I when that started happening? Let me tell you, all all my fears and all my issues of not being accepted or being cool disappeared. Interesting. One hundred percent. Because I, I didn't just stop caring about my grades. I stopped caring about anything. You stopped caring about what people thought about you. You stopped That's right. caring about being cool. All of it Interesting. just disappeared. I just, I just became the person. I just became a person who said, I'm going to do what I want right. about everything. Right. And it's crazy. But I just, one day I just realized like everyone in my class is gathered around me. Um, I would just do something without any care about what anyone else is doing. Yeah. And all of a sudden there's like three other people doing it with me. That's naturally just what um, happens when you be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when you look like you, you look confident in your own skin, you don't look like you're just constantly surveying the room for what you should do. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing about a lot of humans is that a lot of people are a lot of times when something happens, they sit around looking for what to do. And when, when I mean by looking for what to do, they, I mean looking at other people for what yeah. to do. So if you just become the person who just does something, mm-hmm. then um, people end up doing it with you. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It all, just, it all just went away. That's, honestly, that it was, that's probably one of the most important things I, I was able to learn from that. And it's crazy that that was all you know, catalyzed by, by the divorce giving right. me this severe depression and just going, screw it all. I'm going to do what I want. That's an interesting revelation for sure. I mean, is there anything else that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you want to talk about? As far as what, you know, what we can do as far as hiring, right, goes, is companies like Hatchways are avenues that I think every tech recruiting arm of a company need to look at um, simply because it solves the whole resource problem, right? The, the problem is you have limited resources mm-hmm. to filter out a huge number of candidates, many of which are probably not even reading your opportunities posts going, oh, right. we, you know, we need this kind of experience or that kind of experience, right? And so Hatchways and TripleByte kind of takes that out of the equation. They pre-screen, right? Um, and they pre-vet a group of candidates, and then they can put forward the ones that are most likely that, that are what you're looking for. Um, again, and regardless of their background. So yeah, I, I think that that should be the future. I mean, I really appreciate that. And I mean, you know, when we evaluated you and you went through our process, you were one of the top performing candidates had ever gone through our program. It works thank both you. ways. So thank you. Um, okay. I have some rapid fire questions. So okay. some quick answers. One word to describe yourself. I, I, there's literally impossible. I can't do that. So I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Alternative career path you would take if you couldn't be a software developer. 
Yeah, I would go into the military, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Favorite book or podcast? I'll just tell you what book I'm reading right now. Sure. Actually, I'm reading um, a book called The The Tyranny of Kindness. Interesting. Something on your bucket list. <laughs> it's kind of extreme, but I'd really like to go to space. Like, wow. Really cool. um, favorite app? Uh, I don't use apps much. Okay. I try I try to stay away from my phone. Okay, last one. Something you do for self-care. Uh, I guess I, I like to play the piano. I, I find it to be, yeah, it's it's really fulfilling, I think. Nice. Thank you so much, Alex. I really appreciated this conversation. Yeah, it, it, it kind of got uh, it, it kind of got really really deep, and and but uh, I'm happy to share if it can help anyone. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, especially younger people. If you're if you kind of are going through a hard time like I did, right? Maybe uh, hopefully you can see that things things get way better. Thank you. Alex stresses that the structure of traditional education is not beneficial to everyone and that there needs to be more resources put towards alternative styles of learning. For Alex, a self-paced boot camp worked best for him as he could spend as long or as little on subjects as he needed to, getting the practical experience that a degree wouldn't offer him. In the job search, the barrier Alex came up against the most was not having a degree. He talks about resume filtering and keyword searching and how due to the sheer number of applications employers get for junior developer positions, his resume was never given a chance. Alex stresses that take-home assessments are the answer to this problem as it gives developers a chance to show off their skills and those who stand out will be those who are best suited for the job. Alex knew he had the skills to be a successful engineer. He just had to get someone to look at his work instead of his resume. Thank you for listening to this episode. Hatchways is a platform that discovers talented software engineers that often fall through the cracks of traditional hiring processes. This podcast is to share their stories. Some have managed to navigate through the broken system and land employment while others are still unemployed, some for a few months, some for a few years. We hope their experiences and ideas will educate you and propel the tech industry toward an employment system that is more aware, empathetic, and inclusive. If you want to learn more about Hatchways, visit hatchways.io. And if you would like to be a part of the podcast, or if you have questions you'd like to ask future job seekers on the podcast, email us at hello at hatchways.io.